You know, it's amazing even when we have a blindfold on that we can use our senses to find out what's in front of us. And on the first Easter Sunday, the disciples found an empty tomb. And Jesus helped his disciples, his best friends, to find out the truth by using their senses. We're going to read in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to learn three lessons that his closest friends discovered in verse 36. The first lesson was this, that Jesus was alive. Three days earlier, they had seen Jesus die. They had seen him put in the tomb with the massive big rock. And then that Easter morning, they had found the tomb empty. And then his friends, they come back to this room and they're trying to decide what has happened. They're discussing it. Where has the body gone? Has Jesus been taken? Is Jesus alive? And there in the midst of that locked room, Jesus appears. And this is what it says in verse 36. Peace to you. But they were frightened. And they thought it was a spirit. And so Jesus said, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. I wonder how you would have felt if you had seen Jesus three days after you had saw him die. They too were shocked frightened, not sure what to make of it. And so Jesus said, reach forward your hands and touch. Be certain. And maybe you're a bit like me and Rachel and you don't like touching feet, even people you love. It's a bit gross. But he said, touch my hands, touch my feet. You can be certain that Jesus is alive. And they used their senses so that they might be certain. Then the second thing they learned, not only that Jesus was alive, but that Jesus had a real body. Because then Jesus said this. Do you have any food here? Food? They, they found him a piece of fish. They, they, they gave it to him and he ate it right in front of their eyes. It's exciting to be sure that he had a real body that could eat, that could walk, he could laugh, he could even have played outside. And that's good news for us because our bodies get old, don't they? They start to break down. The less we say about that, the better. But because Jesus had a real body, we can be sure that too in heaven, we will have a real body that can eat, that can walk, that can laugh, that can play outside if you want. I'm not saying that's what we will do, but we could. What hope. Jesus is alive. Jesus had a real body. And the third lesson they learned in Luke chapter 24, now that they believed it, Jesus explained a little further. All the things written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms had to come true. I had to suffer. I had to die. I had to rise again. Now you have seen it. You have to tell others so that they can believe, repent, and be forgiven for their sins. You see, this is the most important bit. You see, we, we aren't able to touch and see Jesus. We aren't able to watch him eat. But that was just really a little snack. The real feast was here when Jesus said, the whole of the Old Testament, it's all about me. 
And that's when they really started to understand what it meant that Jesus was alive, that he was God, a man standing in front of them, raised to be king of all. And if we too want to really understand and get to know the living Jesus, we do it here in his word. We have the whole of the Old Testament as well, and we have the word of his best friends who touched him, who saw him, and who recorded it here in the Bible for us. So the three lessons they learned that Easter morning, we learned too, Jesus is alive. He has a real body, and the whole of the Bible is about him and how he is the risen king able to save. Big thank you to Tim and to Ollie and Rachel as well. Here at Crescent, we often sing songs written by Keith and Kristen Getty. You might have seen a recent TV program about them and their family. Keith has sent us greetings this morning as he introduces a performance for us of the song In Christ Alone, written by them and Stuart Townend 20 years ago, which is estimated to be sung 100 million times each year across the world. So let's listen as they perform in Christ alone. Friends at Crescent Church, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And it is a privilege for us and our family and all of you in your homes to join with believers all around the world today to celebrate that Christ, once crucified, is now risen and alive forever. That is our hope for life and death. That is our hope as we face the future, and that is what we sing about today. Please join us as we sing in Christ alone.
His body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave He rose again. And as He stands in victory, since curses lost, it's great on me. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Él ha resucitado. Christ is risen. Death has been conquered. Shiva, Yomiga Eranita. He shall reign forevermore. Amen. Now, Laura McLaughlin is going to come and read the, the story of the resurrection from John's Gospel. And after that, Tim will bring us an Easter message. Thanks, Laura. Our reading is from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. 
But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Thank you, uh, Lauren. Just with the final uh, 15 minutes that we have this morning, we're going to consider these two encounters, uh, the first Easter morning, which we have read from John chapter 20. As we saw with the the children before, on Easter Sunday, the New Testament authors want us to, to, to grasp the real hard evidence. I wonder if you noticed it again in our reading, how particular John is in recording the details of this scene that he was a witness to. His purpose is to accurately account for the facts, the biggest and the most significant of which is that the tomb was empty. He had ran to the garden, stopped at the the, the tomb door, had stooped and looked in, and he had saw the expensive linen burial strips left neat and orderly. Simon Peter rushed past him and spotted the burial cloth from the face, folded up, set to the side, no longer needed. The body was gone. They saw it. They've recorded it. They witnessed to us this morning an empty tomb. No evidence of a, of a scene of a, a grave robbery. Certainly not the scene of a badly beaten man recovering from a supposed death and making an escape. No, the tomb was empty, tidied away, finished, no longer needed. And I wonder this morning if you're listening and you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, Maybe you've left the faith that your family maybe once taught you, or or more recently you've decided to explore Christianity. I wonder if you're curious enough this morning to examine the evidence, not the failures of those who take the name of Christ and have let you down, not the vague memories of childhood or the hearsay of popular culture, but what really happened that first Easter morning Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And is death, and of course it comes to us all as we are so too familiar, really a passing to an existence that we will all one day face? 
This morning, we obviously don't have time to examine all the detail of all the evidence that there is. The numerous appearances of Jesus to individuals, to groups, different times, different circumstances, or the the disciples' willingness to be murdered for this simple claim that Jesus is alive. And we can't discuss the, the founding of the church in Jewish Jerusalem and how a body was not uh, brought out by the opponents or the explosion of the Christian faith across the known world in the first generation after this Easter event. We can't explore all the specifics this morning, but consider this simple fact. The flame, if you like, that lit the touch paper Recorded carefully in this passage by John, the crucified Jesus' tomb is empty. And what at first would have been incredulous to Peter and John became the only credible explanation. Once they had eliminated the impossible, whatever remained, no matter how improbable, they came to learn was the truth. The crucified Jesus is alive again. And still today, in 2021, there is no more plausible explanation for the exceeding weight of evidence. A stolen body, numerous hallucinations, the disciples dying for something that was a self-concocted legend. Of course not. Nothing more plausible than what we have joined with the billions across the world and down through the centuries and stated this morning, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Those at home can cry hallelujah. So if you are exploring this morning, consider the facts. We are provided with sufficient, well-documented, carefully observed detail to show us that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was physical bodily, a reality. And the entire Christian faith hinges on the implications of this reasoned historic fact. There are many things, aren't there, that require more investigation. Are Harry and Meghan telling the truth? Requires a bit more investigation, but I don't know if the truth will impact your life too much. Is the new Seaspiracy documentary on Netflix really telling the truth about the commercial fishing industry? Need to do a bit more digging on that one before my next fish supper. And I know there are many things that you may think require your further investigation. And I know we all come in the midst of busyness, a year of lockdown, challenges, pressures. But I also know that this is the most important thing you need a definitive answer to above all else. Because if this is true, it changes everything. As St. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthian church, if Christ did not rise again, then we are to be most pitied. But if you're listening this morning and you don't yet have a definitive answer, then I'm afraid ignorance is no longer your plea. You must discover for yourself whether this tomb was empty and if it was and Jesus is alive, then he is the judge of all, the savior of the world. And if you're here this morning and you are a believer, may this fact stop you again in your tracks. The tomb was empty. The Lord is not dead. Amidst all the competing factors and the bombardment of information, can we turn the noise down this morning 
And in the moments of quiet, can we see with the two apostles the empty tomb, the face cloth folded, no longer needed. The Lord is not here. Death could not hold him. He is risen. And know this, fellow believer, you are confronted this morning not with an idea or a message of inspiration from someone's imagination, but the way things really are, solid, irrefutable, reliable. Here is what Jesus did. The tomb is empty. He is alive. And with John, we can see that discovery he made in John chapter 20, that the Lord who was crucified, who was put to public shame for all to see, was that morning vindicated by God and shown to be his Messiah, his promised king, the Lord of all. In the first experience, we can see it was certainly more than a reasoned fact, but it's certainly not less than that. The tomb was empty, and we worship him this morning, not because we feel like it this morning, but because the tomb is empty, he is the victorious, risen, vindicated Son of God. So firstly then, we see the experience of Peter and John, the reason, fact, that Jesus left an empty tomb. I wonder if you noticed in the reading that the second half of our passage then looked to the experience of Mary. In verse number 11, in despair, and that confusion that often comes with heartache, she returns to the tomb alone. The angelic visitors don't provide her with sufficient comfort. And in distress and floods of tears, she turns around and a man she supposes to be the gardener asks, woman, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Why are you crying? I ask you, how many tears have fallen in your house this year? Why are you crying? Isolated, locked down, far away, missing out, pressures mounting, sins and struggles repetitive. Why this morning are you weeping? A young father feeling tired, loss of appetite, blood test. Six hours later, come in. We think it's cancer. Why are you weeping? Tensions at home, shouting, harsh words, angry, Silent treatment, why are you weeping? Here stands the risen Lord this morning asking, why are you weeping? Mary's mind was racing. She just told the angels, they've taken away my Lord. Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where he is. And with such grace and mercy, Jesus reveals himself to her with one word. Mary, Mary, the one who had been lost in the dark powers of demonic possession, Mary, the one who had experienced the saving power of this Jesus of Nazareth, Mary, now standing in front of her, her Lord who had all the power and authority of eternal life, he calls her Mary, her identity now fixed, her security now sure, her hope for the future now built on the love and power of the new life of Jesus Christ, 
who stood in front of her tear-stained eyes, Mary. Do you hear him this morning, fellow believer? Maybe through your tears, or maybe through a hardened heart, can you hear the risen Lord call your name this morning? You are not what you've done. Your identity is not built on your ability to perform your successes, your failures, your popularity, nor that of your children, nor even your mindset or attitude, but hear the heavenly voice of the risen Lord call your name this morning. Christian, that is who you are. In the simple stating of Mary's name, she knew him. He said to her in that simple one-word revelation, I know you, all of you, from the inside out, your biggest and worst warts and all, and I love you. I've died for you. I am living for you. So we now live free from the tyranny of any other God. We have one risen Lord and Master. That thing when it's good and well, you're joyful and kind, but when it's threatened or challenged, you're difficult, tetchy, and short-tempered. That's a false, cruel master. Can you hear this morning the voice of the risen Jesus call your name? He invites you to remember who you are. You are his. What a joy it is to belong to him and to serve a true and living Lord. Jesus concludes, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. He's going back, which is good news because he's only going back because he has accomplished exactly what he came here to do. He really did deliver on his promise. Despite the improbability, he has achieved exactly what he said he would do. New life, eternal life for all who will listen and believe. And now he's ready to return. Alive. And notice the twofold description, my father and your father. His resurrection and return to the father would not leave us at a loss, but it would secure our identity, bring us into this intimate relationship, make possible the access we have to God. So yeah, his empty tomb is a reason fact. It changes everything. The message of Easter is that God's new world, new life has been unveiled in Jesus Christ. And you this morning are invited to belong to it. Happy Easter.